Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What Jesus is going to do is explain, well... You can't ever be good enough. But he doesn't go there yet. Look at verse 17. What does Jesus really say to this question? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. What Jesus is saying is, don't call me good unless you're ready to call me God. Because that's who I am. The human mindset is often, what do I have to do to get what I want? Nobody wants to go to hell, and some people believe they can avoid it by earthly accomplishments. Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that there is only one way to salvation, and it's not by works. Scripture states that everyone has a need for a Savior. Man cannot save himself. As we begin to recognize this, we begin to see God with a much greater view than ever before. If you've been trying to right your wrongs on your own, turn to the one who can and wants to. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he begins his message entitled, Let's Get Right to the Point, Do Life God's Way. Turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew 19, first book in the New Testament. Do you know there's spiritual warfare happening right now? Well, it's not the kind you like you'd have to look to your neighbor and you're like, the guy got a gun next to me, or what's he got here? No, it's spiritual warfare. Now, some of you are gonna say, What's up with that? There are demons, there are angels, there's a real Satan. And there's a real God. And there is spiritual warfare. And as we go through our teaching today, you're actually in the middle of it. So is this young man we're going to study today. As we go through, some of you will be distracted. That's why we don't have children here at at a young age. And we don't have people walking in and out of the service, go to the bathroom, and then come back right down to the front row. Why? Because that distracts us. Same in Vieira. Because we know that we're fighting for your spiritual health in this next 55 minutes. We know that. And so as you open this passage today, we're going to discover that it will come down to a choice, the greatest freedom we have. What will this young man do as his mind is being bounced back and forth with lies from Satan and truth from God. Jesus is going to teach us right to the point, and I've got a number of those issues to teach us today as we move through. We begin, Matthew, 
here, Melbourne, Matthew, Vieira, by the internet if you're watching, get your Bible, Matthew chapter 19, scoot on down to verse 16. Now a young man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Amazing that this passage here in Matthew is in three of the Gospels. Matthew says he's a young man. Luke tells us he's a ruler. And Mark says that he's rich. Well, notice, here's the first point for you to write down today. Right to the point. Jesus was approachable. Are we? This rich young man had no problem approaching Jesus and talking to him. We want to make sure we're approachable. Well, here's the next one, right to the point. Jesus had a godly reputation. He was a man with answers. How about us? You see, this young man, he just didn't go to anybody. He went to Jesus. Jesus had a reputation of, you can ask him a question, he has the answers. Guys, a Christ follower has the answers. Do people at work know that you're a Christ follower? Do they know that you have the answers? We have the Bible. Jesus had a reputation of being approachable and godly. Number three, right to the point, Jesus was available in the marketplace. Are we? He wasn't only approachable, he didn't have just the answers, but Jesus did not hide away from common people. He didn't isolate himself to only his disciples. He was approachable, had a godly reputation, and available when people wanted to ask him. Jesus, when the the young man came up to him, Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm on an agenda here, I don't have time to talk to you. No, he knew that was a God thing. He opened his heart. And let God use him. Now, notice what this young man says. He says, what good thing? In the original language, it really kind of means this. What more good things can I do? You're going to see in the teaching, he was already doing religious things. What would that look like today? It would be a person who says, well, I go to church. I give money. I, I keep the Ten Commandments. I serve in the men's ministry. I work in the parking lot. I help out with the special needs kids. Uh, I'm I'm a pretty faithful person. What else do I need to do to get to heaven? That's the very same question. You see, this rich young executive, really he, he had all the world had to offer. He was experiencing emptiness, and yet, as we look at it, He's at the pinnacle of everything. He's not 63 and go, I finally got some money. He's young. He's got it all, but he's empty. Now, we know from the Bible that he's very sincere. He really wants an answer. The reason I can tell you that is because the book of Mark says that he ran up to Jesus and he kneeled down and he said, teacher, how do I get to heaven? See, this guy is known in the community He's incredibly rich. He's young. He's the top of everything. And he humbles himself. So he's very sincere. Now, why was he seeking answers? We would think from the natural standpoint, what else do you want? You got it. 
But see, even though there is pleasure in sin, even though there's nothing wrong with money and being young, and of course being an executive, not at all, he was still empty. Well, how does that happen? Well, here's a picture that just shows you. You see, when you and I were born, we were born to be in relationship with God. When man sinned, that broke the relationship. And so I'm left empty. I have this vacuum in my heart. Every one of these people do, from the youngest to the oldest. And there's only one thing that can fill that emptiness. So this young man comes up and he absolutely says, I need help. I got it all, but I'm empty. Here's your next point. Right to the point. Life without God is always empty. Something is missing. You see, you can only go so long fooling other people. And then you have to do like this rich young ruler. I'm going to find answers. Because everything I have is great, but I don't get it. Something is absent in my life. Well, how is Jesus going to respond? He asked Jesus a pointed question. I'm going to give you the Balmer translation in verse 17. Here it is. And Jesus answered the young man and said, here's how to find eternal life. In fact, he says to the young man, look at me, here's three options. Young man, your next time around, when you come back reincarnated, you'll be a poor slave woman. That'll bring you fulfillment. Or Jesus might have said this, young man, what are you searching for? I'm God. And I'm going to tell you, after death, that's it. The farm's bought. It's over. There isn't anything. You go back to dust. It's finished. Have party. Go for it. Or he could have said to the young man, oh, you're looking for answers to life? Well, go back and talk to the rabbis in the temple. Religion will solve your issues. No, Jesus didn't do any of those. Those leave a person empty. Jesus will get right to the point and he's going to take him down a path that shows him how to have eternal life now here in Enviera understand this principle this young man didn't understand two keys number one notice what he calls him he says Jesus you're a great teacher that put Jesus on the level of every other human So later, Jesus is going to address this and go, you you got that wrong. Number two, and this is so common, this young man believes you can get to heaven, you can get eternal life by doing things. This young man comes to Jesus and say, hey, what good thing can I do to the good things I'm already doing to make sure I got enough good things to get there? It's absolutely no different. No different at all. That's a normal process. You see, all of us, the, the, the life that we live, we get reviewed at work, and we get a raise on that. We get graded at school. Well, it's all grading. So we kind of think, well, this as this young man, I'm doing good stuff. I, I want to make sure I'm good enough to get to heaven. Now, what Jesus is going to do is explain, well, you can't ever be good enough. But he doesn't go there yet. Look at verse 17. What does Jesus really say to this question? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. What Jesus is saying is, don't call me good. 
unless you're ready to call me God, because that's who I am. There's no one good. I'm not a good teacher. There's only one that's good, and that's God. And then he says this, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Now, what if you, here's the danger, and you need to understand this. We try to teach through the word of God. We take it in context. If you just take this verse, you've never seen a Bible before, and you open it to this verse, and you read the last part of this statement, and I ask you, how do you get to heaven? What would your answer be, right? Look at, look at verse 17. What's, what's the last sentence in verse 17? Viera, look at it. Look at, if you want to enter life, do what? Tell me. Okay? Well, Pastor Mark, you've been wrong all these years. I just have to go do good stuff and we go to heaven. Well, yes and no. Because you have to take it in a whole context. Well, where in the world did this, why did Jesus even go there? Well, here's why. Jesus knew that the Jews to this day taught that you could get into heaven by obeying God's laws. Jesus knew that. This young man had been going to the synagogue. That's what he'd been taught. Well, where did that come from? Well, it comes from the Bible. You say, you're confusing me. No, just hang on. Look at Leviticus 18.5. If you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. What Jesus was going to do is use the Ten Commandments as a point of reference This was his starting point. And he was going to show the young man that no one could keep the commandments and thus earn salvation. It's impossible. You can't do it. And I'll show you today. So he doesn't immediately say to him, what stupid, what good thing. He's kind. He moves along. He says, well, let's see what your point of reference is. How good is And this is a great question when somebody questions you that. How good is good enough? How many good works do you think you need to get to heaven? Have I done enough? That's the problem with good works. Now, look at verse 18. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mom, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, why would this young man say which ones? Well, he knew the Ten Commandments. You and I know the Ten Commandments. But by this time, the Jewish rabbis had added hundreds of other laws. And there were all kinds of laws, 613. There was a million kinds. Like on the Sabbath, you can only walk so far and whatever. I mean, so he says, which ones? See, the commandments are equal to something called the law, L-A-W, That's what God gave the Jews in the Old Testament, the law. I'll explain it to you in a moment. Now, Warren Wiersbe says this. Jesus didn't introduce the commandments or the law to show the young man how to be saved, but to show him that he needed to be saved. So follow me, because some of you are already saying, well, wait a minute, if we follow the law, if I obey it perfectly, I can get to heaven. That's exactly right. But the problem is perfectly. And we're going to see that. Now, when he introduced the law, this is the next point that you want to write, right to the point. Why did God give the law in the Old Testament? Why did he give the Ten Commandments? What was the reason for all of that? Well, here it is. The law was given by God to bring us 
or introduce us to Christ. In other words, the law was given to show us that we could not keep it. So I needed help. I could never be good enough. Let me explain to you the law. Watching by the internet, listen. Vera, watch. Three things in the law. We won't take time, but it's good for you to know this. In the law, it was broken up into three areas. The first was ceremonial. That would be religious practices in the Old Testament. All the different kinds of things they had to do at the temple and with the animals and the sacrifices. That's changeable. That part of the law is changeable. Why? The Jews today don't even have a temple. You couldn't keep it. Second part of the law was judicial. In the Old Testament, God gave certain things for people to work together, socialize. And there were laws to keep the government of, the, uh, government of God, to keep the people in line. Well, here's one. In the Old Testament, there was laws about if you were a leopard. The leopard had to stay a certain way apart, whatever. The law in the Old Testament, think about this one. Now, by the way, this is changeable too. In the Old Testament, if a woman in a Jewish community or a man were found committing adultery, what happened to them? Well, they went to Nancy at court and got off quickly, right? Do you know what happened to them? They were stoned. Now, that might, that might take desperate housewives off the first list, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd have to change people every week. So that's changeable. That's not the law. But there was a third part of the law that sticks today. It was the moral law, which included the Ten Commandments, but was broader. So when God gave the law, it is holy, it was just, but the purpose was never to give life. Now, theoretically, theoretically, salvation could be earned if you would keep the law. Well, can anybody keep the law? Do you you think you've kept the Ten Commandments all your life? What do you think? By the way, this young man's going to say, you're right on, babes, you got me. I did. Well, let's show you, if we break one part of the law, one part of the law, what happens to the, it's like a a domino system. Look at James 2.10, I have it for you. It says this, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. So what does that mean? If I break one of the Ten Commandments, just one of them, do not steal. I take a pen from work. Not supposed to. I bring it home. I steal. It's not mine. It's work. Have I broken the law? Yes, it's a moral law. I've broken the law. So if I break that law, I've broken, in essence, to God's view, how many of them? Tell me. Oh. So theoretically, if I kept the law, I could be good enough. Well, what's this show us? You can't keep it. So here's the next thing you want to write. Right to the, right to the point. The law is a moral mirror that shows us our guilt. You see, the law in itself shows me and you that I, I can't be good enough to get to heaven. Romans 3.20 says this, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous or right with God in his sight by observing the law. No one will be declared right with God by observing the law because we can't do it. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. The law was like a mirror. Now, a mirror shows us what we're really like. When you get up this morning, I would say 99.9% of you 
looked into a mirror before you came. Some of you looked in it a long time before you came. (laughs) Now, why do we look in a mirror? Because the mirror shows us what we're like. So the law just shows us what? What it gets. It just shows us. And as we get older, you know, there's skin spots and all kinds of stuff. And we look. We we spent time this morning looking into the mirror. Because the mirror simply, as you look at it, it just tells things as they are. Now, I wish it showed a better image. But this is all it's got to work with. It just reflects. Now, there's a spiritual mirror. Don't ever forget this illustration. When you and I look into the Bible, this is a spiritual mirror. That's what teaching is. We look into the perfect word of God, and it shows us how we're doing. Oh, not whether I got my eyebrow exactly right on this side and that side. By the way, you know when you get older, your hair stops growing up here. It grows out here. (laughs) Some of you know that. You wonder why we look weird. This mirror shows us like we are. God gave the law to say to the people, you can't be good enough. You can never be good enough. You see, now, this mirror, can this mirror change me? I mean, if it sees a little zit over here, or maybe, maybe I just didn't get something right here, can it, can it go in there and go... No, it can't do that. It just shows me. See, the law cannot change you. The law could never change you. It just showed you spiritually like you were. So notice, as you think about that, this mirror can't fix my looks. It can't fix my looks. I have to do that. The law couldn't fix me. God has to do that. Coming to church doesn't fix you. God fixes you. Through his word. See, the law condemns, but it doesn't convert. The law challenges, but it doesn't change me. The law, the moral mirror, brings me to Christ, who can change my life. Here's a very powerful verse, Galatians 3, 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You see, the law could never set anyone free from sin. The law was temporary until Jesus would come and live a perfect holy life and completely fulfill it. Then Jesus could offer the gift of salvation because we could never earn it. So Jesus says to this young man, look into the moral mirror. How you doing with the commandments? Hoping that the young man's going to go, well, I didn't keep that one. What do I do now? Life without God is empty, something we'll always be missing. Jesus came to fill this void and set an example for how we ought to minister to others. Today, Pastor Mark taught that Jesus was approachable, available, and had a godly reputation. He challenged us to consider whether we possessed these same characteristics. How would modeling after Christ in these ways improve your opportunities to impact others? You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Spiritual pride will keep you from heaven. Do you believe you can be good enough on earth to earn your salvation? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will show listeners that every single person has a need for a Savior. Scripture clearly states that we receive the gift of salvation only by repenting, confessing, believing, and following Jesus. The Christian's life is more about self-surrender and less about self-esteem. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Here